Hello everyone and welcome to the movie change up bad batch uh, spoiler review we're uh, gonna review episode three the episode was called the replacements but before we get started I want to wish a uh, happy birthday to the person that we wouldn't be here without and that's George Lucas whose birthday is today so happy birthday George Lucas who's definitely going to watch this review <laughs> happy birthday to the creator himself yeah. George Lucas, you know, especially in the animated stuff, he was so involved in the Clone Wars, and you can see his fingerprints, like, throughout all of his animated stuff, so shout out to him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so we're reviewing uh, uh, Bad Batch Episode 3 called The Replacements. Uh, I'm Joe Fricky, by the way, I don't think I said that, and I'm with Tristan Meyer. Tristan, uh, what did you think about this episode? It was pretty good. It was much more of an episode of the week kind of thing compared to what we've had the last two episodes, but that's kind of expect from these shows, so I had a Good time watching it. It had some good heart, some good character moments. I'm excited to talk through it. And as usual, there's one or two little lore tidbits that'll be fun to dive into and overanalyze and see where it can go from here. All right, yeah, true. And I wouldn't say it's really episode of the week because I thought we got like, like we didn't really see much new from the hero hero side. Like nothing new really got introduced. But I feel like we're starting to build up the villain side a little bit more with the empire so i think that was kind of what this episode was more about story-wise uh but also before we fully get started i just wanted to let everyone know uh with each episode review we try to do kind of a discussion about the larger star wars uh as a whole after our episode review so uh, i decided because i believe it's called war mantle is one of the names of the operations in this episode is also it's a homage or reference to Rogue One, where Jin is reading off all of those names of different operations that the Empire is working on or worked on or just things they have files on, and one of them was War Mantle. So we're going to go through all of those and figure out, okay, which ones have been released so far, which ones do we know about, and then we're going to speculate on what some of those other ones might mean. So that's kind of our fuller discussion after we review the episode but all right let's get as usual have an omega theory related to those names so (laughs) it'll be fun to get into that all right yeah i think yeah i don't have any omega theory i have a like a slight speculation of things moving forward but i'm very curious to see uh what your theory is so do you want do we want to just do a play-by-play for the episode that's what I was thinking, because we pretty much have two separate storylines here. We have Crosshair storyline going and taking on the Rebels, the Saw's group that we saw in the premiere episode, and then we also have the Bad Batch storyline on the other side, and they're kind of crash-landing Empire Strikes Back-style storyline. So which one do you want to start with, Joe? We can go through the whole of each storyline, or we can kind of interweave it like they do in the episode. Uh, we can interweave it. I think that makes the most sense. All right, so like we start... From the beginning of the episode, Bad Batch crashes at this, what they think to be an abandoned moon, and they have to kind of search through this moon to find their lost part, but of course things are not as peaceful as they seem and they realize there's some kind of creature out here on this planet who's scratched up this hole and there there is some trouble here. Yeah, heavy Empire Strikes Back like feelings in this episode when they're on that crater. Yeah, even in some of the shots, felt very right out of it. Like when the, the creatures are on the window, and you yeah. see like the just like out of the Empire Strikes Back, they're clearly throwing some, uh, some references here into the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, for sure. What did you think of this setup, though? Them kind of crash something on this moon, and kind of a unique moon-looking place, very foggy. They have to wear these masks. We don't typically see people in Star Wars having to wear 
atmosphere mass is not really a thing they address much that it's like oh yeah they can breathe here it's good <laughs> yeah you know? i thought it was kind of cool it's just more added to the whole empire strikes back one of my biggest fears was like oh is this just gonna be a play-by-play of the empire strikes back and then it turns out it's not a moon and it's like a living creature and blah 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 and i was like oh please don't go this way but it was kind of more just like the setup and the atmosphere and the plot really didn't follow that at all so i was happy to see that yeah, and we have this simultaneous storyline where at before we get to them, Bad Batch are kind of reflecting on Crosshair, saying, man, I kind of miss him. He was part of the team, no matter how it went down. And they learn, I hadn't realized prior to this, they didn't realize this, but they learned in this episode that it wasn't necessarily his actions. On, he was controlled by the inhibitor chip, and at the, at the least, the inhibitor chip enhances your negative emotions and makes you kind of angry and hostile and he might not have been in control of his actions when he attacked the Bad Batch, so they have this little bit of hope, like, maybe we can go back and we can bring him back to our side and bring him back to the team. And yeah. you were the defender of that t- that theory from the beginning that Crosshair is going to turn and come back to the good side, so how are you feeling now? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident on this. I mean, Star Wars is all about the choice between good and evil, and there was, not to jump too far ahead, but there, the final shot of Crosshair, he's sitting on his bed and he's looking maybe upset of his actions that he took during this during this episode so i think if you ever see a character that's conflicted in star wars by the end of the story they will you know choose the right decision and make the right decision it's only the characters that are wholly evil that i think will remain evil like palpatine that's why you know you look at kylo ren in episode eight when snoke says like even after you killed your father you're still like it split you to the bone i'm like everyone that knows star wars like inside it out should know okay like he's gonna turn good yeah something i like about star wars you can talk about how goofy it is that vader turns good at the last second and you're supposed to forgive him after he's slaughtered how many thousands of people or kylo ren you know he helped destroy multiple planets at hosnia prime and he's probably killed hundreds if not thousands of people and he turns good by the end but that's something i like that star wars has that optimism you know where like if you want to you can turn your life around and you can find good again and there's forgiveness and there's hope and Star Wars is all about hope, but I even though I was the one saying Crosshair is going to die into the season, <laughs> but like you said, once they start regretting their action, once they start mm-hmm. having some conflict, it's probably going to be a turn to the good, even if it's like a self-sacrifice type yeah. thing. So I think for sure Crosshair is probably going to come back to the good side, especially with Omega hammering home that it's not him in control; it's the chip that's like controlling him and controlling his decisions. So I think it's going to make it very easy. Like, once he's able to overcome the chip, for him to be, for, like, the group to take him back in, and for even as fans, us watching, for us to be able to take him back in, because we know it wasn't really his decision that he made. Yeah, and like I, we said before, like, you mentioned something once, maybe it happens, you mentioned something twice, oh, that's probably important, you bring it up three, four times, like, yeah. <laughs> you want the audience to know about that, and they've mentioned Crosshair is the inhibitor ship, but it's not his choice, it's not his actions so many times in just this one episode that I feel like they definitely want yeah. us to know about that. Yeah, they can't t- not talk about Crosshair without saying that he has an inhibitor ship controlling his actions. Well, speaking of Crosshair, we jump from there back to Kamino. We haven't seen Kamino since, I think, the premiere episode, and... Crosshair is in Kamino being experimented on by the Empire and by the K- Kaminoans, I guess you'd call them. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're trying to, I think, enhance his inhibitor chip, make him a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more of a leader so that he can train these new recruits. We talked last week, I think it was, about how, what is the tradition going to be between uh, clones and stormtroopers? What is that 
going to be like, why would they go from clones who can obey every command they give to stormtroopers who are kind of, you know, they're flawed, they're civilians, they can yeah. make mistakes, they can deny orders, like we saw this episode. And we're seeing Crosshair being trained to be that transition, to be that guy who brings them between the clone eras and the recruited trained era. So I think it'll be interesting to yeah. see his role throughout this. I think he'll be a guide into that kind of transitional period of Star Wars. Yeah, I think he's going to fill that role that I think a lot of fans expected Cody, Commander Cody, to be in. And maybe season two it'll be Commander Cody leading more of the conscripted soldiers and he'll kind of be the villain of season two uh, no matter what happens to um, Crosshair. But I think, yeah, a lot of fans expected Commander Cody to kind of be in this role of training the conscripted soldiers and training the stormtroopers. But I like Crosshair there. I think he's been established in just these couple episodes as interesting character so I, i'm really excited to see what he's gonna be as this goes along yeah it's kind of cool like if you watch the credits d bradley baker is just um um uh his he's credited as just voicing the bad batch they don't break it all down and one of the things like just thinking about it now like he's not credited as voicing the bad batch and um crosshair it's all of them which kind of gives me a little bit more of a hint that crosshair will come back to them uh but one of the things that he was talking about i read in an interview was like his mentality or what he thinks about as he's watching each character and i remember for rector he said he likes to just think about a child and that's kind of his mentality when voicing rector and then when he's voicing uh crosshair he likes to think about a coiled snake and that's his mentality when voicing crosshair so i kind of like that I like that. You can hear that in the performance. They're very different characters. You wouldn't even know they're the same voice actor, really. I mean, you do because they, they have the same bass to the voice, but the performances are so different. I really appreciate how much he's given to that performance. Yeah, for sure. And this scene, we also meet uh, the new Imperial leader. We mentioned him in the premiere that he's going to at some point come and replace Tarkin, and it happens in this episode. I believe his name is Rampart. He's yeah. the new Imperial officer who's going to be leading this transition between clones and an imperial recruit army yeah i think admiral rampart's gonna kind of take over for tarkin as like the lead like at least in what we see in the show take over from tarkin as kind of what we see as the leader of the empire and he's kind of our go-between probably and he's gonna be the one that crosshair reports to so yeah that's what i'm thinking even though the end of the episode tarkin's pretty much like well my role here is done see you guys and mm -hmm kind of walks off and leaves Rampart to be the leader. So I imagine maybe Tarkin shows up for like a couple episodes here and there to yeah. reinforce that lower connective tissue kind of thing. But I imagine Rampart's going to be our main Imperial guy going forward. Yeah. Shout out Stephen Stanton, who is the voice of Tarkin in this show. And he was also the voice of Obi-Wan in Star Wars Rebels. And that was in that one episode. He's a good Tarkin. You yeah. Sounds exactly like the Tarkin I know from yeah. New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> He's done a lot with Tarkin in these animated shows. He's gone from just like this cold guy that we he's just there for like a couple of scenes and obviously he's not particularly developed or anything like that, but he's between the books and the shows he's he's become a big character. Yeah, he's almost the face of like the political side of the Empire in Star Wars in a way. Like if mm -hmm. you were gonna do a Mount Rushmore of the Empire of the Empire, Tarkin it's basically Vader, Tarkin, Palpatine, and then like a stormtrooper is your <laughs> is your four. Yeah. If we go back from there to the Bad Batch, uh, we mentioned the Empire Strikes Back scene. I think uh, 
They mentioned the name of this creature is called the Autolone Dragon, something like that. Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, some kind of made-up Star Wars name. But yeah. they say it's drawn to electronics, and that's why it steals their part mm-hmm. from their uh, from their ship. So Omega, and, or the first hunter decides he's going to go track down this creature by himself, but Omega says, hey, I'm part of the team too. Yeah. And she joins them and joins Hunter, and they have this kind of duo trip throughout the woods. We'll get to that in a second. But well, I was going to say, one of, of the things I wanted to bring up was Wrecker was originally supposed to go, and then he can't go because he hit his head. And so one of the, or he, his head hurts, and he says it's probably because he hit his head. One of the things I'm curious about is, do you think his uh, Order 66 chip is starting to activate, and that could be why? And our, your theory of Omega's force sensitive? Do you think there could be a scenario where he see his chip activates? He sees Omega use the force, and then Wrecker starts to go after Omega, and crew has to shut him down. I like that a lot. I forgot to mention that. I forgot about that. His head hurts, and I definitely thought as I was watching, I'm like, oh, his head doesn't just hurt, you guys. You're not catching me off guard here. Yeah, I'm not. He's got I, some inhibitor chip. <laughs> I'm not that dumb. I'm dumb. I'm not that dumb. Especially in an episode where you talk about the inhibitor chip like 10 times already and we're only 5 minutes yeah. <laughs> into the episode. And the episode basically opens with tech, or maybe it was the previous episode, working on the inhibitor chip scanner, which is definitely going to come into play at some point. I think that's definitely a good direction for it. I think I'm still a big fan of the Omega Force Sensitive. This episode just made me more and more of a fan of that theory. Yeah. And I think Wrecker connected a lot with Omega this episode. I think it's just sort of it was her and Hunter's episode for most of it, but I think her and Wrecker had two really key scenes at the beginning of the end to kind of bookend her, their arcs. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see how their relationship goes forward. Like you said, if he has that ship and he sees that Omega's Force-sensitive, are we going to have a moment where he says, good, soldiers, follow orders, and then just attacks her, and they have to fight off Wrecker? You know, is that yeah. the twist? Do you think Crosshair is going to be the bad guy who dies at the end and then it's Wrecker? Especially, off Wrecker? As, especially as he has that fun uncle moment um, where he makes the, you know, bed for her at the end. I know we're jumping around here a bit, but so if you build up that kind of almost brother-sister relationship between them and then he turns on her, it's going to be gut-wrenching. But the one thing that's nice about this show, because D. Bradley Baker voices 90% of the cast, <laughs> you can kill anyone at any time because no one's getting fired like it's not like oh well we like d bradley baker we can't kill wrecker because he's the voice of wrecker it's like well he's got five other characters he voices on this show so it's all good yeah and he's, he's so probably be happy to see a few of them die so it's one less he has to do <laughs> and you think about it they could easily replace wrecker with you know cut or some other kind of character that we've been well, used to a new character one of the things i was thinking is they basically have two tech characters with Echo and um, Echo and Tech. And I almost feel like if Wrecker dies, you could use the fact that Echo is basically a cyborg and make him more of like the strong strongman character because he has just robot parts. So I think if Wrecker dies, you could kind of transition Echo into being the strong character because we don't really need two tech characters. Yeah, I think especially if we end up do bringing Crosshair back into the fold and he becomes a part of the Bad Batch and doesn't just have like a hero turn and then dies, something like that. I think yeah. if he becomes a member of the team that season two, we have a big crowded lineup of characters at that point, and some of them are hitting the same beats. You know, I think yeah. Crosshair has that kind of uh, assault forward kind of mind where he's going to be the one who's 
leading the charge in a lot of ways and yeah. do we need him and Wrecker and Echo and Tech and all of these characters in one go I think yeah. sure Hunter's probably going to stick around he's basically the main character yeah Hunter yeah, Hunter's essentially the main character but one thing too is a lot of these Filoni led animated Star Wars shows get darker as they move on and one way to do that is to kill off your more child friendly member of the Bad Batch in in Wrecker yeah, I think that I think that might be the direction they go. You gotta knock this cast down a little bit. Yeah. You know. We'll go from here to We mentioned Omega kinda joins Hunter on this uh on this hunt. You know, we yeah. mentioned last week that we haven't seen Hunter necessarily use his skills. His Yeah, that like, was someone skill. That was like my big like fist bump moment. Even it's just him like touching the ground and smelling it. It's like you say he has enhanced senses, I wanna see it, and we saw it today. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Hunter going through like a jungle, ch- hunting down a creature. I was like, give me like a predator scene yeah. where he's hunting down some creature. And then, of course, like next episode, they give us exactly that. So I was happy with that. Yeah. And then we even got that a little bit in the opposite side with the villains when they're looking through their scopes and they see like the heat vision. So we got predator vibes on both sides. Yeah, both of these storylines have some interesting parallels you know i think it's they go side by side in a cut here for a reason i think you're supposed to see the opposites and why these are different and where the empire goes in and just kind of kills it out asking questions and then by the end of this we get uh maybe killing isn't the answer all the time and maybe you can get some other solutions and we'll get we go from hunt uh omega and hunter starting their their journey here back to camino once again where Rampart gives them a mission to go out and take out the recruits. You mentioned it before. I didn't think they're bringing this specific team back, but it's cool that they're going out and hunting down the exact same team that Bad Batch failed to kill in the first episode. Yeah, I was curious if you'd see Saw again, but once they get there, they realize that Saw has already left, and we get... I don't know how far we're going to go along this scene because it's kind of the rest of the episode in terms of Crosshair's storyline, Yeah, we can but keep they're on hunting going. down... They're hunting down the the uh, what will become the rebels, I guess. They're the remaining separatists, yeah. or whatever they want to call them in this era. But it's Saw's group of rebels, and Crosshair is not having much mercy for these guys. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like they take out the rebel factions, and then all that's left is basically the civilians that were along for the ride, you know, taking a ride out. And he's like, well, time to kill you. And the other, basically the first generation stormtroopers were like, yeah, but we're not here to kill them. And Crosshair is like, well, they're here, so they're going to die. And the main leader of the kind of Stormtrooper group is like, well, they're not part of the mission, so we'll just capture them. And that's when Crosshair drops the most dark and cryptic version (laughs) of good soldiers follow orders that I think I've ever seen in either Clone Wars, Rebels, or Bad Batch. But here we are. That's definitely the most chilling version of it I've heard, where he says it and then and then fires his gun, and that's kind of that. Yeah, I like this line, good shoulders follow orders, as much as you can like it. You know, it's a good, oh. chilling line. Like you said, every time it comes out, I feel like I'm like, oh, God, something terrible is about to happen. <laughs> Even if it's in the comics or in books, like when you hear that line, you're like, something bad is about to go down. Yeah. If I, if I were, if we were to do a Mount Rushmore, if we were to do a Disney or, like, a Star Wars animated Mount Rushmore of, like, and then one of them were quotes. Good soldiers follow orders. Definitely would be one of my picks. Yeah, especially because that wasn't something they took from the movies and kind of rebranded yeah. it. You know, it's like their own thing that kind of goes along with the movies a bit, yeah. but it's not like a callback yeah. line or anything like that. Yeah. 
There's a scene you missed I want to mention really quick where uh, Crosshair and these new uh, Stormtroopers are on the ship kind of heading out to this planet and they have this confrontation where the Stormtroopers are essentially like, well, if you're so good at being a soldier, why are you getting replaced? And essentially says, like, enjoy being commander for now because obviously the days of the clones are numbered if they're bringing in recruits to be part of the military. And I think from this scene you get that Crosshair has this vendetta against these Stormtroopers a bit. Yeah. Like, they've questioned his his leadership. His, they've, you know, challenged his masculinity as a leader a bit. And you wonder how much of that going into this scene. Like, was was Crosshair looking for an excuse to gun down this guy who was questioning him? Or... I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Like, this guy wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. He's in the way. He's standing in the way of the Empire. But also, fuck this guy, so I'm going to kill him. <laughs> And I like the design of the uh, the costumes or what you call them, like the armor on these yeah. stormtroopers. It reminded me of the Public Commando game and those kind of armors that were like around this era at the same time. I'm really excited to see how they're going to transition slowly but surely from the clone armor and this armor into the stormtrooper armor. So I'm excited yeah. to see that happen. One theory I want to bring up that I've I've seen and I kind of agree with is there was a uh, the female stormtrooper didn't really talk. In this episode, I know well, the first time I, because if you if you're watching this and you haven't watched our previous episodes, basically what I do for any of our reviews, is I watch them first thing in the morning before I leave for work, and then I'll watch the episode again, uh, sometime after work and before we film, so because I want to watch it twice. Uh, but the first time I watched the episode, I'm like, she doesn't talk, and that's kind of weird. And then I saw a theory online, uh, wondering if that's potentially Fennec Shand. And she, mm. like, sees what goes down and defects from the Empire and kind of does her own thing. But they didn't want to, like, drop that bomb yet or show that reveal yet. So they're just like, okay, that's Vinic Shand, but she's not going to talk. So I want your thoughts on that. I've seen people online say she's Iden Versio, but she looked, like, too pale to me to be Iden Versio. And I don't think... Because there's been controversy before controversy before with some of the clones of their skin being too light and whole whitewashing things so I don't think they Disney would do that so I I don't think it's Iden Versio but I want your thoughts on potentially if that's Fennec Shand I think that'd be kind of cool we get to that point where we start to near that line of does everybody have to be a character from something else you know well, we, we know she's in this show at some point because we've seen like clips of her but she's more in her like what we've seen from her in the Mandalorian yeah, that's why I'm a bit softer on this because we know that she's gonna show up, and I think that it could be a part where it fits. And if if these characters show up one more time, I think maybe that's a, a sign that they're gonna be important. But if we don't see this specific group of clones or this specific group of troopers again, they could just be like whatever Cross's army was for this episode. But I'd be fine with that. I think part of the appeal of these animated shows is that crossover appeal more, and you want to see some stuff that yeah. connects. And we mentioned. Uh, in the beginning that there's a bit of a lore drop throughout this episode and that's something that I like too like you watch this and you want those little tiny moments where you're like oh that's from this and that's from this and it doesn't necessarily affect the episode and it's a thing that like even people like me and like 99% of viewers they hear War Mantle and they're not going to remember oh yeah that's from that one half a second moment from Rogue One (laughs) Mm -hmm. this show does a really good job and all these animated shows do of bringing in that lore and bringing in the connecting connective things without like grinding the story to a halt and pointing it out and saying look remember that thing from that thing yeah. you know it's pretty natural and 
even we'll get towards the end of the episode when we have this Camino conversation where it does that similar thing where they're talking about lore stuff, but it's so quick and it's so it yeah. flows right into the scenes. You don't really even notice what's happening until you pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go from there to uh, this the Bad Batch really quick. We got a scene now where Hunter finds the creature and the part, and they get this kind of confrontation where Hunter's mask is knocked off. He's choking on the air. He's knocked out. And now it's up to Omega to save the day. Yeah, which I kind of, they've done this trope now like three times, so I'm really hoping we don't get that trope the next episode, or that's when I'm going to be like, all right, like I'm kind of over this whole everything goes to shit, and then Omega just does it herself for no reason. Like, yeah, I'd be okay if they do a play on it next episode. If they do a play on it next episode where she tries to take over and then it just fucking goes to shit even worse, like I'm fine with that. But if, like, I don't want every episode to be that. Yeah, I'm curious what we'll get next week. Another one where it's like there's no setup for for what's coming next. But yeah, they're starting to repeat a little bit of the beats here with some of the characters. But that's kind of to be expected in the first few episodes of the show. I think they're still trying to find the momentum a little yeah. bit. They're still trying to find the characters. And I know this isn't like a weekly... It's yeah. still a weekly show, but it's not like a TV show where you tune in necessarily. Yeah. So, But I know when you do have that kind of format, you want to be able to have an entry point for new viewers. Like if someone were to theoretically come and be like, oh, I want to watch Bad Batch, and they just watch like this week's episode, they want to be able to capture the characters and the yeah. dynamics in the first few episodes. And when you write for TV, you want to, in the first few, three or four episodes, you want to kind of hit them over and over again with the beats of these characters so that as someone's tuning in late, they still get the basics of the premise. Yeah. And we mentioned, too, we are kind of going back and forth here really quickly where now Crosshair and, and the soldiers slaughter these rebels pretty much. And they're just, where, where the Bad Batch came in slow and came in easy, they're just shooting first asking questions later shooting people down shooting down civilians at this point and you clearly see that the empire is not behaving like the clone army would and no, no yeah it'd be very, my thing i took away from this is how different would the world of star wars be if if uh saw Gerrera was with his crew that day and he just got gunned down yeah i didn't think about that but you're right there's a lot of like happenstance coincidence type things in Star Wars that I really enjoy where you see like well if one little thing happened differently this entire story would play out different you know Saw is such a vital part of the story like he's not a key character to the movie necessarily but to the plot he's big you know you wouldn't have Jyn or so taking down the Death Star plans you wouldn't have the rebels with that one secret little thing they need to get the Death Star down you pretty much probably would have had the rebellion destroyed before it even began, you know, because Saw was a pretty key figure in bringing those rebels together, whether it's in Rebels, whether it's in Rogue One, whether it's in yeah. Fallen Order. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, basically, if Saw died right there, then he's not there to, like, raise Jin, and Jin probably doesn't help them get the Death Star plans. The, you know, Rebel Alliance never gets the Death Star plans, and the Empire rules forever because Luke's not able to blow it up. Yeah, Luke, Luke could be a farmer for moisture farmer dreaming of the academy. Maybe he, Luke would even join like the Imperial military. <laughs> yeah, Luke joins the Imperial military. Like Ju- Luke joins the Imperial Academy, and he runs across Darth Vader, who tells him all about the Force and the dark side. And 
reveals himself who his true parentage is and you know Vader and Luke team up to kill Palpatine and Luke and Vader rule the galaxy as father and son all because Saw Gerrera decided to go somewhere else that day yeah Saw Gerrera is really the key to all of this <laughs> Saw Gerrera most important character in all of Star Wars who knew uh, we'll go back here to Bad Batch where they uh, Omega faces the creature but rather than kill it she decides to lure it away with her light and she retrieves a part and doesn't have to kill or fight the creature to get it. It's very similar to Ray's scene in Force or in on a last what's the fucking movie? Rise, Rise of Skywalker. That classic <laughs> great that, like, ten out of ten uh, film that everybody loves. The best Star Wars movie, clearly. Yeah. Where Ray finds that like snake creature and rather than killing it necessarily, she empathizes with it and I think Omega is almost like this oh, you guys have problems at Ray. Let's just, like, fix it a bit and, and see what you think now. <laughs> you know, like, Omega she seems like Ray's she's doing mom. a lot of the same beats of Ray. Yep, you, you heard it here first, guys. Omega is Ray's mom. It's yeah. confirmed now. Yeah. But I do think this further feel, fuels the theory that Omega at least has some level of yeah. of empathy or force sensitivity or something like that. Yeah, cause... Cause we, we saw Ezra do the same thing a few times in Rebels, so... Mm-hmm. And I think... We're just trying to get reinforced home a few episodes over and over again that she has this empathy, that she's able to, whether she's aware of it or not, sense the emotions of other creatures and other people. Yep. And I think she she sees in this creature that it's not, it's not going to attack her. It's almost scared and needs to be like lured away, and there's no reason to kill when you don't need to. And no. Meanwhile... Crosshair slaughtering civilians just because mm-hmm. he like feels like it. Yeah, just <laughs> and he's gets... shooting troopers down because they're not listening to him. And... Yeah, yeah. Crosshair like shooting people. Who would th- who would have thought a guy named Crosshair like shooting people? I know, shocker. Yeah. But oh uh, yeah, Crosshair slaughtering civilians. Meanwhile, Omega is saving creatures, and we get back to Omega reunites with Hunter real quick, and she just says, "Oh yeah, I got your bus back. I got the part back." and I save the day once again. Yeah. Omega's a Mary Sue. God, cancel Omega. Yep. So we go back to this last scene where with Crosshair, where he returns uh, to Camino and kind of gets a little bit of a congratulations from Tarkin and from Rampart, and they're like, "Oh, one of your soldiers got killed," and they're like, "Oh, you know, cost of the war. Someone, someone died in action. Whatever." And that's what Tarkin says. Well, it was nice seeing you guys, but I was only paid for two episodes, so I'm going to head out now. And Rampart, the B Imperial guy, is going to take over. Yeah, we're like, we can't have our face characters and everything, otherwise it'll feel too, too connected. So he's just here for like three, four episodes a season. And meanwhile, we'll bring in Admiral Rampart in, in here. How much of Rampart do you think we see? Is he going to be as oh, prominent he's, he's as gonna be in every Yeah, he's going to be in every episode guy, I feel like. Especially because, like I said, we it's that same model. So it's that same guy we saw in that hologram in the last episode who was talking about, you know, needing your chain code and all that. So, yeah, I feel like he's definitely going to be in every episode guy. Oh, yeah, they did mention here he was the guy who was the, the leader of the chain code initiative and was able to get that yeah. chain code system up to the worlds really quickly and that was what inspired Tarkin to choose him and say oh you can be I can't remember the it's one of the terms from Rogue One that got oh, re- re- mentioned here 
War Mantle. He's, he's going to be a leader of the War Mantle program, which I believe is in this their transition program where they're going to be bringing yeah. in their recruits yeah. Yeah, as the, their Imperial military. Yeah, it's a transition from clones to conscripted soldiers. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit after the episode. I think we want to get to that theory. Before I get there, though, I want to close this out of for this. We mentioned it earlier, this last scene with Crosshair where he's sitting on his bed and he's kind of reflecting on what he did that day and it's almost like a Rorschach test where you're trying to read into what is this guy feeling in this there, moment right now. <laughs> I felt like a hint, a little more sparkle in his eye. Like I was, I I paused it and I'm like, he's definitely like on the verge of like crying of like, that's a definitely of like a, what have I done type of look. Curious. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen with Crosshair. I, I want him to go back to the good at this point. I think it would be heartbreaking if he just didn't, you know? And I, I think it, you mentioned maybe subverting the Omega thing next week. And I wonder if they will subvert that Star Wars trope of like, oh, the bad guy's going to turn good. And maybe we'll have that hint, like he he might turn good, he wants to turn good, but ultimately he, he can't, he doesn't, and yeah. makes the wrong choice. I, I was about to ask, do you think there's a way that we get, like a, he has the inhibitor chip and he knows it's controlling him, but he knows he can't override it. And for whatever, like we, and for whatever reason, they can't take it out and so he basically just has to be killed or is that way too dark for a tvcg show <laughs> they might find a way around it because we know? saw some dark shit in this episode so yeah we saw crosshair murder unarmed civilians at this yeah, point we, yeah. and we're only three episodes in we're talking about like oh if Filoni gets a few seasons in you know by season three four it's pretty dark and now we're at episode three it's pretty dark yeah. already so yeah i mean he might basically keeping that kid so stuff at the beginning they're basically treating this as almost like Clone Wars Season 8, in a way. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. They, the tone is not starting out like Clone Wars Season 1 or Rebel Season 1. We're already taking it a little bit more seriously than those yeah. seasons did. Yeah. Uh, I'm Yeah, that crosshair scene, I wasn't sure what to read into it. I was wondering, oh, is he upset at himself? Is he just concerned of what he did? Is he not quite... I just want to get a bit more crosshair. I'm sure... I mean, we will... I want to know a bit more of what his motivations are at this point and how much, how aware is he of his actions and how in control of his actions is he right now? Yeah, I'm going to say not very, not very in control. I'm wondering if his arc will be like an information arc or if he's going to be like something's up with this this inhibitor chip thing. I got to figure out what's going on. He'll do some kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to the to the archives and I'm going to figure out what's going on with these inhibitor things and maybe I'm going to find some character who can, they mentioned the inhibitor chip scan. Uh, maybe they'll use that, and somehow he'll get the chip removed or reset or edited or something like that. Yeah, that's possible. And our last scene here, uh, we, I will talk about that Camino conversation after this, but I want to mention the Omega scene where Wrecker made Omega a room. In the beginning of the episode, she kind of didn't have a place. She was just kind of floating around in the ship, and Wrecker made her a nice, cool room. He's treating her like a like a kid while also respecting her and her needs. I think it's a really yeah. cool scene. Yeah, I really liked it. And he oh, he also gave her his like stuffed animal too that he had. I forgot about that. Yeah, and he mentioned that I think in previous episodes it was like an important thing to him. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm sure that'll come back in some emotional moment. You know, if Wrecker died and she's sitting there holding the animal or oh, something. God. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the final scene of the episode, but I do want to bring up this Camino scene I think it could lead us into some predictions and stuff like that so if you have any final thoughts before we get into predictions on the episode 
No, I just have uh, predictions. Uh, yeah, it was just a solid episode. Show's already starting out a lot darker than I expected, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm really having a good time with it. I was expecting it to be a lot lighter. Like you said, it's darker than I thought it would be, and I was prepared for it to be like, okay, we're going to spend this season kind of like jumping around, doing goofy stuff, beating some fun characters, and, and then maybe by season two, season three, we'll be out with the real dark stuff, but we're already getting Not there. We're killing dark. civilians, episode three, so... <laughs> I wonder how long to keep up. Like, how we got what sixteen episodes in this season. How many of these are going to be like plot-focused, heavy episodes? And I'm sure one or two are going to be like a chopper comes home, or whatever it was called, like some kind of like kid oh, episode. Oh, chopper base, or, or like the, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> oh god. But the thing is, we have a droid in this show, and they never show it. Like that dumb gonk droid that like never gets shown, except yeah, for was when one... like Omega's sleeping against it, and then it just kind of wakes up. I wonder if we're going to bring in any kind of droid or comic relief characters in, into this. Because yeah. uh, Omega still is our, pretty much like our kid insert, you know, the same way that Chopper was yeah. in a way. But she's not necessarily comic relief. So I'm wondering what that's going to be. Wrecker, I feel like, is that character Wrecker at is, this point. Yeah. And I like that a little bit more because I feel like it's a more interesting character than Chopper. Chopper's a cool design and stuff, yeah. but like he wasn't my favorite member of the, of the Rebels team. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Chopper sucked. I'm gonna say that. Dave Filoni voiced it though. Yeah. C one dash one zero P. That little fucking <laughs> dick. Okay, I'm gonna bring up this Camino in scene yeah, where I, I have a couple of predictions too, but I'll let you start. There's like four sentences, and all of them are like are like lore sentences, and I'm yeah. like, wow, they're mentioning a lot in this one scene. Uh. Yeah, it was right after Crosshair's returned and Tarkin leaves, and the Kaminoans are sort of discussing what's happened. You know, the Empire is clearly stepping up a bit more than they expected them to be, and they're taking a lot more control than they thought they were going to, and they're a bit concerned about what their future is going to be because their value to the Empire and to the to the galaxy at this point is their cloning technology, and if the Empire replaces clones with troops, then what is the point of Kamino? Yeah. And I think they see that, and they're scared of that. And they mentioned... Django Fett's DNA material is degrading. Which I'm like, that's kind of odd because he died at this point now, like three and a half years ago. Like, how much DNA material could have survived, like, this long? Like, obviously, it's all, like, fantasy sci fi, but I'm still looking at that being like, his DNA material should have degraded, like, a while ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have some kind of DNA storage or something, you know? But I think that's an interesting answer for maybe why we don't see a lot of clones in the future because if they don't have the original DNA material then they don't they can't make these exact types of clones again which is why they're trying to according to them breed breed a superior clone yeah and I'm curious what that will be yeah I'm curious what that means are we leaning more towards like a death trooper type of deal of that we see in Rogue One and are we going to find out at some point that those are actually like super enhanced Django Fett clones? Or what is, are we making more Omegas? Like, what is this super enhanced clone? Like, we'll obviously find out at some point, but I'm very curious what that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll tie into the Bad Batch into Omega because they mentioned, like, oh, we, to do this, we have to be able to get the Bad Batch back, essentially. And I think omega is probably that enhanced clone we mentioned these theories throughout that she's force sensitive and that was probably part of her experimentation and and it was intentionally done by the kaminoans i mentioned last week that the kaminoans don't do anything by accident and there's always a purpose and they wonder aloud what omega's purpose and i think that's probably hers i think she was a testing 
platform for whatever this superior clone is going to be, whether that's Force-sensitive or whether that's something else. And they said we need a direct source, and they decided we have to lure the Bad Batch back somehow, but we only need one. <laughs> that's a frustrating... Dave Filoni line where I'm like, what do you mean you only need one? Do you need a specific one? Or do they you have just to need, need one like because one? they already have Crosshair if they only need... Well, I guess... Because Crosshair's already there, so if they only need one, then it'd be like, hey, Crosshair, come here for a minute, let me let me get some blood. So it has to be Omega at this point. That's what I'm feeling, because when they say we only need one, are they talking like... They have to be talking a specific one at that point. Yeah, because they, they have, have a, they have one. Yeah. They have Crosshair, so... It's got to be Omega. I think she's a special case, and I think that she's going to factor very heavily. I ultimately think like she's going to be like a MacGuffin, similar to uh, Grogu, I guess. We've mentioned that the Grogu similarities are there, but I think we're going to have the Kaminoans being the ones that are kind of looking for them now and trying to lure them back somehow. Yeah. Trying to get trying to get Omega. And they mentioned this is key to our survival, so I think they realize like if we're no use to the Empire... They're not going to keep us around. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we know too much. We played too big of a role in the rise of this power, and maybe we we got involved with the wrong people. Essentially, is yeah. my is my think thinking yeah. here. And one of the things I think too of like I don't know if it's the overall arcing overall arc of this series or this season, but I do think a lot of this series because we've seen like the individuality of the clones be taken away, and I think what we're going to see is clones starting to override their inhibitor chips, and it's going to be you know the failure you know because they obviously don't succeed so it's going to be the clones rising up against the empire and just getting decimated and destroyed and probably the bad batch and like a few clones like wolf and gregor and rex and are the only ones that survive yeah i think that's definitely the direction they go there's got to be a, a reason for why these clones aren't around and i think it'll be more interesting than just like oh they kind of died off you know they decayed and they were no longer useful yeah. i think it'll be something big simple like a siege of Camino that I'm hoping for. Yeah. The Empire versus this clone army is going to be a huge action sequence, a whole episode or two episodes, maybe the se- season finale at this point is what I'm thinking. You mentioned either the series or the season, and I feel like it's probably a season arc. They're moving pretty fast along this yeah, storyline. It'd, it'd take forever if they're, if they're like, okay, we're going to make this last five seasons. And we, we've already brought up the fact that we need to get this clone, we need to get this survival, all this kind of stuff, and I hope it's one season arc because I want to I want to move on to other arcs after that. Yeah, for sure. All right, do you have another theory or? Oh, that's all I've really got for you right now. I do think Omega is going to be a key role. We mentioned it already, but I do think that she's going to be significant. I can't wait to see what that's going to be. I can't wait to see how she grows as a character, what her role is going to be in the team. I hope that she's not just the one who. Save today at the last second every time. I yeah. hope she has a bit more of a role to it. And I'm sure she will. I'm looking forward to it a lot. All right. I have one theory that I don't know if it's necessarily a theory or just a thought, but it's okay. We have the character of Echo, right? I mean, Echo is a pretty common word, so it might be nothing. But uh, on An Empire Strikes Back on Hoth, the, it starts with the attack on Echo Base, which is the name of their base on Hoth. So I'm curious, do you think there will ever be, like... I mean, obviously when they named it in 1980, when they were making Empire Strikes Back, they weren't like, oh, this base is named after a clone. But do you think it could ever be reverse-engineered that, like, maybe Echo saves himself, or does something, you know, or not saves himself, but risks his life to save 
like Bail Organa or Mon Mothma or something, and then they, you know, at some point name the base after him as like a sign of respect. I thought it's a good theory. I think we'll definitely see a lot of that kind of setup in this show where it's like we want to see the world transition from the prequel era to the to rebellion era and i think that could be a cool setup where it's like maybe they go to hoth for an episode and they kind of like have to establish his base or something and then echo sacrifices himself and bailogan is like we shall call this echo base and then it's like oh echo base (laughs) something like that that could be fun well there was so people have this theory because there was this uh i don't remember there was like this uh character in legends who resembled echo a lot and he had uh like his body kind of looked the same way as a cyborg and he became so much of a computer at one point he like hooked up to a computer system and became like assimilated into it so a lot of people think echo might have the same fate and i know because i was like looking up echo base to see and i know according to somewhere i don't know if it's in empire strikes back or if it's just like a tweet dave baloney had of how much they can retcon it but apparently like echo base was founded like three months before like empire strikes back like timeline wise but if it's just like some reference book or something that's like not a novel or not a comic book like they might just retcon that to be like yeah echo founded echo base yeah i don't know if this show has much desire to not reckon stuff like yeah. we've seen yeah. that they'll just be like yeah that canon comic didn't like doesn't matter we'll just do our own yeah. thing well yeah <laughs> throw the whole thing out yeah well it's like the whole twilight thing in the previous episode of cut Queen's stepkids being half human and half twilight the only the only thing that had ever said they they were half human and half twilight and not fully twilight was like a tweet from pablo hidalgo that a fan had asked him if they were half human and he's or if they were hybrids and he said yeah they were hybrids if they want to retcon a tweet I don't give a shit. So if it's just like a reference book or something that they want to retcon, I really don't care. But then when you start getting into like comics and novels and things that you actually have said are canon, then that's where I'm like, well, you know. Yeah, I think that could be interesting. I really do wonder what the fates are going to be of these characters because we don't see them anywhere in the original trilogy, really. But we could have said the same thing about the Rebels crew. We did the whole time. We were like, oh, they got to die. They got to die. They got to die. And of course, like, a couple did yeah. but most of them were just kind of yeah. found places out in the galaxy to exist beyond the story of star wars yeah but they, i mean they're mostly gonna die of old age because of their accelerated aging anyway so Th- this is the show like bad bat the bad batch crew i'm not gonna be like oh they need to die just because they could be like you know dave filoni could be like yeah they all they like helped out the you know the rebel alliance up until their death but pretty pretty much they all died of old age before a new hope and i'd be like okay that's that's fine i don't i I think a cool direction could be like some of them just end up like doing stuff (laughs) you know like maybe they're out one's a bartender or something or one's like just out in the galaxy existing and i think it could be cool even in mandalorian i don't know like you said the accelerated aging would be a a wrench in that plan but if they could easily get around the accelerated aging if they have an excuse for it it could be cool like Maybe in Book of, Book of Boba Fett or something like that, they just show up in a bar and it's like, oh, the bartender is, is also Tamara Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> it's a clone who is still alive, just living in the world, you know? Yeah. Maybe he got frozen carbonite for like 20 years, so we stopped aging. Yeah, that's an excuse. It'll be like, yeah, we, we hacked the inhibitor chip and then we turned the button off that said aging and now he's just good, you know? All right, I think that's kind of our last thought on theories. Do you want to move to our next and final conversation about what some of these 
phrases might mean in uh, Rogue One. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Alright, I sent you the image so I could find it myself. Alright, so let's start with the ones we know. Obviously, so here's what we have. Stellar Sphere, Mark Omega, or Mach Omega, they weren't sure. Pax Aurora, War Mantle, Cluster Prism, Black Saber, and Stardust. Well, we know what Stardust does because that was in the movie. We know, now know what War Mantle is because of this episode. So let's start with Stellar Sphere. Like Obviously, my original thought is the Death Star, but so is Stardust. So is there I any say... like, thoughts that come to your mind of like what potentially they might make? Because like, let's be honest here. When they wrote these down, they were never like, okay, these are what all these mean. And eventually <laughs> over time, we will reveal them. They were, Whoever wrote the movie was like, yeah, these sound cool. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like, oh, these sound cool. A couple of and them were we'll like... And then we'll reverse engineer them at some point to make them all into things. That's exactly what it was. It was like, let's leave the other feature writers to like run with this stuff, you know? And maybe Black Saber was intentional. Maybe some of that yeah. stuff was intentional. But they're they're just vague enough that you could easily like move them around to whatever you want them to be. But I will mention that the first three were brought up in the Catalyst novel, which is... Uh, the prequel novel to Rogue One which that is, came out a couple of months before Rogue One. Which is really good. If you were a fan of Rogue One, you should definitely read Catalyst because it'll make Rogue One that much better. Yeah, I mean, even if you weren't a fan, maybe read it because it'll turn it from an alright movie into a much better one. Yeah. You know, I recommend it for sure if you if you want to enhance your enjoyment of Rogue One. But those three were essentially just mentioned as like sub-projects of the Death Star, like kind of parts of that project, you know? Okay, so Stellar Sphere, Max Omega, or Mark Omega, and Pax Aurora. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had a I, whole, think... I had a whole thought on what Pax Aurora was about because I didn't look any of them up. I think I looked up like two of them and they were like Black Black Saber and Cluster Prism were the two I looked up. I think I started I think, from the bottom. Because since it's Star Wars, it could easily just be like, okay, no, it means something else now. Or they could be like, oh, it also means something else. You know, I think when they mention like, oh, those are parts of the desktop project, they can also be like double meaning names mm-hmm. and things like that or use more than once. Like Black Saber has an obvious meaning of what it what it could refer to in Star Wars like with the Darksaber, but it could also be used for a hundred other things. So I'm curious on your theories on that. But so, my stellar sphere theory was definitely something related to the Death Star. Maybe they're... Yeah, maybe just the uh, overall design or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the plumbing system of the Death Star. Yeah. Maybe but it's yeah. just like a compliment. They're like, well, it was really stellar sphere. Like, we really like the spherical look of the Death Star. Good job. Yeah. So the, so. so the one I had the biggest theory on was Pax Aurora because I'm like, okay, there's some, there's some Latin in here. Let's look up Pax. And Pax I knew meant peace in Latin, right? And Aurora can mean either two things, either like lights in the sky, or the dawn, which I took dawn or beginning. So the you know the uh, peace beginning, and you would think, oh, that's like about the rebels or whatever. But then you have to remember this is from the Empire side of things. And what do they consider the dawn of peace? And I'm thinking, okay, probably the start of the Empire. And so I was thinking Pax Aurora could be Order 66. And all that's things, a good All the good things one. behind Order 66. I like that. I was wondering about Mark Omega or whatever is Omega. That, you know, yeah, like that Omega. one was like the easiest. Like Mark Omega, oh, maybe that's about like Jedi cloning or something or like Force-sensitive mm-hmm. cloning. Because it depends on where they go with Omega, but I do think Omega in some way or another is going to tie into Palpatine's yeah. like immortality cloning kind of plan. So I do wonder if that Mark Omega is like yeah. the final plan or something like that. Like Palpatine's end goal yeah. would be in there. 
I don't know why he keeps that on the Death Star hard drive. <laughs> like, oh, here's my, well, I think that was here's my like, final plan. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was just like he's going to destroy all the planets and then just make Palpatine clones and every living being on the in the galaxy is going to be a clone of Palpatine. You open it up and it's just like the script of Rise of Skywalker. They're like, oh, wow. Oh. How did this get here? <laughs> so I guess that leaves this cluster prism. And honestly, I have no idea. Cluster, like, uh, a prism is like a thing that refracts light and then just a bunch of things that reflect light. Originally, I just thought the the like basically the kyber crystal laser system for the death star that's a really good theory i like that i was looking up uh some cluster prism i was did a little research on that one in particular and i found some stuff in old eu that it might be like a reference to okay where in the original ideas of what the death star how the death star was built there was essentially like this prism that they kept the thing inside that's why it's round so and it had these clusters, like these holes throughout yeah. the prism. So I wonder if that cluster prism is a reference to like the original version of the Death Star construction, like in the in the EU. Yeah. Because I know that Pelblidago and those type of people like to throw in those little references here and there to legends. And even though they're kind of moving away from that a bit and getting more into the canon stuff, I wonder if that was a reference to that. Yeah, that's possible, and it's one of those things that's super vague that they could make it whatever they want to be. Like yeah, Stardust has so vague. Stardust has nothing to do with anything, right? I mean, in in Star Wars canon, it's named Stardust because he named it after his daughter because she had like sparkles in her eyes, right? So mm-hmm. like, it's so like any of these could be anything. Like we look at Black Saber and we're like, oh, that's a reference to the Dark Saber, but that could be a reference to just like anything. Mm-hmm. Cluster prism, yeah. I mean, somebody is so vague they could be like anything they it's want. It's like them the to Nostradamus be. of just like file names of like we can make it anything we want. It's like astrology. Mm-hmm. If it's vague enough, it'll work yeah. for anything. It's like yeah. a fortune teller. You know, they're like, oh, you will have fortune in the yeah. future, and they're like, oh wow. They At knew. some point in the future, something bad will happen to you, and you'll overcome it. And they're like, wow, this person knows so much about me. You are struggling with something. Oh, oh wow yeah. mind reader yeah. but I do think like we've seen that Star Wars loves to take stuff these tiny little things and run with them and make like whole storylines out of them <laughs> yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if literally everything on this list at some point becomes like a plot point in some show yeah. even though they did mention oh a stellar sphere Marco Paxaro those were subproducts of the Death Star like that's all you really know is like oh they're part of the project to make the Death Star. Like, that could mean anything. Yeah, like, so I mean, some of this, could, like, Cluster Prism could be, like, a reference to the poison that they used to take out, uh, I can't remember the species. It's the species from Episode 3 that's in that, or, no, Episode 2, sorry, on Geono- the Geonosians. Is that a species? I don't know. The people on sure. Geonosis that were taken <laughs> out, that you find out in catalyst i believe we're taking we're taking out um uh be a poison or something because they knew too much about the death star because they're the ones that made it and palpatine didn't want anyone to know really about the death star so it's like hey thanks for your help and you're all dead yep i really like that uh i don't know i do think these are going to become something and even if they're not now they will be you know we've Black Saber was a thing that people kind of, when they mentioned it in the theater, there was a little bit of like, oh, 
Like, you could tell who was like the Star Wars fanboys in the theater were like, oh, Black Saber. Yeah. As much as I'm a fan of Maul, and technically I guess Maul did wield the Dark Saber, the Dark Saber is my favorite uh, weapon in all of Star Wars. Yeah, I like it too. I I don't know if we'll see it in this series. It doesn't really have a place. I want the Hasbro one, but it's like $200, so. <laughs> but it looks sick. It does look awesome. I think. Like that was such a cool moment when he came out. Uh, I can't remember the character's name in in Mandalorian, where he oh, comes out at the yeah, end of the first the, season and he has the yeah. dark saber. Giancarlo Esposito's character. But... Yep, really a big moment where you're like, oh look, the animated stuff really does matter yeah. to this live action stuff. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Not the most, but one thing I'm looking forward to in the show is like you start off and you think like, oh, it's just like a, a show. You know, you know, and yeah. then as it goes along, you start getting these connective tissues and these bigger and bigger things. And I'm sure we're only three episodes in. We're already talking about like, oh, what does this say about the future of the Kaminoans in Star Wars? What does this say about all this lore? And as you go further and further and further, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of unexpected stuff here. Yeah, we could also see, because I'm just trying to think, if we do get a siege of Kamino, that could be like Vader's coming out party and that could be like the first time a lot of like characters see and hear about Vader and that could be like oh shit like what the fuck is this moment yeah they really gotta hold Vader off I think for a little bit cause that's like a big yeah. I could see that as drop. like season finale thing of like I could see that if it's like Siege of Kamino clones are winning they're beating these conscripted soldier stormtroopers and then you just see like some early model TIE fighter come down and Vader steps oh, no. out and then it's just like it's a wrap after that That's exact. I think that's definitely the direction they go with that it's going to be Vader is like that building tension throughout this yeah. show like you know they have this super soldier yeah. essentially out there that yeah. can go and just kill this entire bad batch without even, even trying you know yeah, we've had so many theories about what's going to happen in the finale like one of them is bound to be right like we've had um like Hunter's chip is gonna active or uh, <laughs> Hunter's chip is gonna activate and he's about to die and Omega's gonna use Force Heal to like fix him before because the thing fixing him is like craps out. And... Mm-hmm. We had uh we had the siege of Camille. We had oh Maul's gonna show up. It's gonna be mm-hmm. like a Maul Maul. Yeah, I'm, I'm, du- I'm over that theory. Like no, there's <laughs> been zero reference to. I'm not gonna say Maul's never gonna be in this show, but as far as season one goes, I think we can rule Maul out. I think yeah, the I think whole Maul is something you say for for season two or three. I think the whole red Clone Wars logo was only that burned out was only because like that's what the Clone Wars logo was like the last season of the Clone Wars because Maul was there. But I think that's the only reason why it was red in the beginning of the Bad Batch is because it was we would have had some kind of reference to like Maul or Mandalore or so, anything tying to Maul we would have had at this point I think if Maul was gonna show up. And he hasn't. And I could, you know, they could name drop Maul next up. Like, they could see Rex and he could talk all about Maul and how terrifying and menacing Maul is next episode. And I could change my tune, but. Yeah, as soon as you think we're ahead of the show, we're, we're not really like, we thought we were ahead of like, oh, what are the Camino ones going to do? They have a plan. And we're, we're like, oh, we're ahead of that. But then by this episode, we're like, they're like, oh, yeah, the Camino ones have a plan. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, we're not actually ahead of the show at all. And he could ask me for 100 predictions and I never would have had. They're gonna name drop a random computer program thing from Rogue One, yeah. or, you know. So they could easily pull anything out of their ass if they wanted to in this show, and that's what I like about 
that you know they can just do anything really they're not constrained by live action they're not constrained by but i mean they have a budget but it's not as the same as being a live action budget where you can only do so much you can it takes the same time to animate uh you know luke skywalker as it does a random nobody so Mm -hmm. any any final predictions going into this episode four i have no idea like all of the other episode the first three episode titles were leaked before episode one came out so i kind of had a rough idea of where things would go and runtime but now we're i have no idea what's going to happen next week I assume more crosshair being crosshair, but I have no idea. I think the Empire side it's a little easier to predict, but as far as the Bad Batch side, I have no idea what to expect. I think we gotta start to get to them because there was the whole thing of them becoming mercenaries. I think we're we gotta see them like try to pull a job or do something, and so that could be a possibility of them. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking that, next week. I think next week might be a bit of a filler. Not a filler necessarily, but just like them having an adventure of the week type episode. Yeah. I think we need a little bit of a space there, and we might not even see Crosshair next week. I think we might get a gap in there again. We had we had him gone last week. Maybe he'll be gone this week. They got to drag out that plot a little bit because yeah. they have a whole season to get through that kind of stuff. And we do know that Kuminoans Kim- have this plot to lure the Bad Badge back in, so we might see that come up next week. Like, some some kind of means of drawing them back to Camino. Yeah. But I think I think uh next week probably will be a pillar episode. If I was gonna guess how they draw them back to Camino, it might tie into our siege of Camino type theory. Like maybe this whole siege is done just as a way to lure the bad badge back to Camino. You know, maybe they send out a signal like, Oh, Camino's under attack and the bad badge have to come back and defend their homeland. Similarly to rookies or whatever one of the one of the episodes of uh clone wars where the the clone team has to come back to Camino and kind of defend their home planet yeah and that's also a possibility i could see them like name dropping somebody like a famous jedi and being like hey this jedi's here you want to come see him he needs your help like anakin skywalker is here he needs your help i could see them luring them in with captain rex too we've gotten uh name japa rex last week and they're kind of right on the heels of them a little bit so they could be like oh we got a signal from rex at camino so they head back to camino and then it's not rex at all it's it's crosshair yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's a possibility i'm excited right. though i'm liking this show a lot they continue to impress me every week i keep waiting for them to slow down and give me a pillar episode like i mentioned and even when they have these slower episodes like this, it still connects and still has tissue there where you're, you feel like you're not wasting your time watching it. No. You know? No. Yeah, it's definitely, if you're a Star Wars fan, you should definitely be watching The Bad Batch. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's definitely a lot better than WandaVision, that shit show of a show. Uh, Look, we're only three episodes in. This could go full WandaVision in the, in the last few episodes. If you're watching a Disney Channel original movie by the end, you know? Yeah, that's very true. All right. Uh, I think I'm... I think I've said everything I need to say about this episode, so. Had a good time with it. Can't wait for next one. Yeah, all right. Uh, Thanks for watching. Have a nice night or day or morning whenever you're watching this.